Hello and welcome to another episode of Below the Fold. And this week we've got Clay Olson on the episode. What's up, Clay? How are you? Good, man. So Clay is a co-founder of Fight the New Drug, which is one of the bigger nonprofits I feel in Utah. You probably have a pretty big following locally, I imagine. Yeah, I, I, I think we do, yeah. <laughs> is that not is that not a metric you track no we we know we know yeah it's, we have a good size uh, volume here and as well as around the world cool so uh super excited for this episode we're going to be talking about uh how to grow a nonprofit from a marketing standpoint yeah uh, and since you've been around since the beginning i think it's been pretty close to nine ten years now ten years yeah. uh we uh I, I imagine we've got a lot to learn so let's get started Okay, cool. Clay, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Uh, I, what I really want to do as far as starting out is give you the, uh, give you kind of the mic, use this as a platform real quick to kind of tell us about yourself, about Fight the New Drug, what you guys are trying to do, and then we'll kind of dive into uh, nonprofit marketing and, and what you guys have seen that's successful, not successful, things like that. Um, but yeah, take a couple minutes. Okay. Um, well, so... Back before Fight the New Drug, I actually owned a creative agency. So I, uh, I ran a, a marketing group. It first started as a film company, uh, and then I, I kind of merged my company and uh, acquired a, a, a design firm, and together we became kind of a full-service marketing agency and kind of grew that for a while and uh, um, worked with you know companies around the world, Marriott and Phuket and, and Franklin Covey here. And, and, and a lot of different organizations trying to just market their brands like a normal agency would. Um, but for me, uh, that was never like the intent. That was never the goal. Yeah. I, I really wanted to, um, to do something that I felt was kind of giving back and, and, and helping people. And, and, and uh, sometimes the, the clients that I was working with weren't, uh, weren't necessarily like hitting that chord for me. Right? <laughs> yeah. we're, no, I get that. Yeah, we were marketing things that I didn't really necessarily believe in. It wasn't like bad things. It was just like, wasn't um something that i felt were like helping people so yeah so i always had that in the back of my mind of like you know what what can, how can we utilize these resources these the, this talent that we have here to kind of make a dent a real dent and, and solve issues and, and problems and um anyway long story short I, I was with a few buddies and and we were talking about uh, different ideas that were coming up for us uh, as far as what we wanted to achieve in our lives. And we were pretty young. Uh, it was 10 years ago. And, uh, uh, and, uh, and we, we were talking about, you know, different business ideas, different concepts. And, and uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> one of our buddies uh, said, you know what would be cool? It'd be cool to do an anti-porn billboard. And we were just like, what? <laughs> that was it. Huh? That, <laughs> that was, that that was, was the campaign. That, that was, was this, we were just like, this million dollar idea. Wait, uh, it was just so left field. It was like, uh, okay, dude. That's <laughs> right. Uh, like, sweet man, awesome. You know, like, anyway, then we can kind of continue the conversation. Kind of, we we said like, oh, that, yeah, that, that'd be that'd be interesting. Yeah. And then we moved on, right? But but there was something. It was like like uh, it was like a a bolt of lightning kind of hit me about an hour later uh, as we were kind of wrapping up the meeting and, and kind of going home. Uh, uh, and uh, and I was just like, well, you know, 
why why aren't we talking about that subject i mean think back 10 years ago a lot of people nobody was talking about this topic from uh, particularly to our peers uh, you know to people my age or younger like it was just not discussed uh and and when it was discussed it was either discussed within academic audiences or uh you know uh, among adults uh you know about what was happening uh but kind of more from a hysteria perspective yeah. but not not it wasn't like this like a, a addressable um it was an out in tangible, the open it was not out in the open people felt immense amount of shame uh, around and we we wanted to kind of like so so I, I was driving home and it and it struck me like why aren't people talking about this and and it kind of drove a lot of uh um feelings and emotions around kind of my own past with pornography and, and, and people that I knew. Uh, my cousin struggled with an addiction to pornography so severe that it, he ended up, uh, you know, like most addicts, needing more and more frequently in a more extreme version, which yeah. led him to actions that were not only inappropriate, but illegal. And he went to prison for some of those actions. And I asked him when he got out, this is before that meeting, this is like right as I was graduating high school, I said, uh, I was young and naive. I said, well, what, what led you to that? And he said, he, he talked about his struggle with pornography and he said, if, if had I known what it could do to me and what it could do to my life, I'd have never touched this stuff. And I thought, so that I had that experience. I had this meeting and I was driving home and I was like, well, why don't we do something? I had this creative agency and I thought, well, why don't we, why don't we kind of take a cue from the truth campaign uh, on tobacco and, and kind of invisible children at the time, which was a huge mm -hmm. nonprofit at the time and, and kind of, uh, and, and whittle this down into a digestible kind of movement that people can, can rally behind and and you know fight for love and and uh and real connection and and that's what sparked the concept uh the the the, the idea of fight the new drug and um and i had never started a nonprofit in my life i had no idea how to how to grow a nonprofit and and uh but but that kind of led us to the next stage of just kind of you know taking a leap yeah Okay, so it's been 10 years. You guys yeah. are still around. I don't know what the statistics are on how s hard it is to have a nonprofit last that long. Very, uh, very, very low. Yeah, so, so, so you've, you've broken the glass ceiling as far as being a nonprofit lasting this long. Uh, if, if I were to outline the next 50 minutes or so, some, some of the things that I, I want to get into. One... Uh, from from a marketing standpoint, what are the tactic, tactics that you found to be the most successful in driving or spreading your message? Uh, one of the things that, that I was looking into specifically was using controversy as a marketing tactic because mm -hmm. there's a lot of controversy around not only uh, what you guys stand for, but the way in which you've gone about doing it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and whether it's good controversy or bad controversy is irrelevant to the fact that the topic, as you mentioned, is kind of taboo. It's not, it's not out in the open and right. it's, it's something that you guys are trying to surface where, where others are trying to suppress that. Right. Uh, and then, uh, did you want, did you have any, if you were to bullet point anything, Brandon, is there anything that you specifically wanted to cover? Uh, I mean, I think starting there was good. Okay. So and, and I, 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 there's follow-ups, but I think that's like a good standpoint. Cause yeah, you were talking about how, yeah, just controversial marketing, so to speak, which yeah, the three elements were taboo, uh, debatable, right? That's right. And then unexpected, unexpected. Or, su or surprising, yeah. right? So those are kind of the three categories of, of this genre or, or type of marketing, which is controversial. Do you guys even picture yourselves as, as being controversial? I mean, I'm trying to read your facial expression and, and it, it almost seems like it's a surprise that, that I'm bringing this up. No, 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 no. I, 
<laughs> we know the topic is controversial. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, we knew that out of the gate. We knew that, that uh, you know, bringing up this topic, n nobody kind of creates social change, I I you know, with kind of like, you know, rose petaled That's right. uh, pathway yeah, to, you're right. to, uh, to the finish line. I mean, we, we knew that there was going to be serious opposition. Um, uh, uh, you know, th there's a lot of deep rooted um, ideas around this because it's, uh, we've, we, it hasn't been addressed for so long yeah. and a lot of the research is pretty new. And so, you know, back, back when tobacco was debated, uh, and, and that, that, you know, our, our society went through that controversy. I mean, back in 1938, Dr. Raymond Pearl, uh, he was the first guy who was working at John Hopkins university. He was the first guy to discover the link between lung cancer and smoking tobacco. And you know, that, that kind of hit, he died four years later. The, the, his research was squashed. Nobody saw it. 15 years later, Reader's Digest came out with an article called Cancer by the Carton, which was the first public attack on the tobacco industry. And it launched us into a 40-year debate as to whether or not tobacco was indeed harmful. And there was ads and magazines and, and, and uh, TV commercials all promoting this idea that like doctors smoke camels or, or you know, that, 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 you know, smoking can soothe the nerves and clean out the lungs and all these things. And there was a lot of controversy around the ads and whatnot. But, but then truth uh, kind of prevailed at the end and kind of, he said, okay, no, actually, actually it is harmful. Yeah. Actually, this is something that can, can hit us. So I don't look at, um, you know, I don't look at what we do as harnessing controversy in order to, uh, to, to meet our goals, I look at it saying, look, look, the, the path uh, of, of society since the beginning has always been uh, science has to catch up with truth. Truth has been constant, is, and always will be. Science has to unearth it and discover it. And once science discovers it and kind of and, and polishes it and kind of says, okay, this is what we've discovered, mm -hmm. then society takes a while to kind of catch up to that truth. And we yeah. are literally, literally living inside that kind of that transition of knowledge uh, from where we were 20 years ago to where we are will be in, in a matter of years where um, 20 years ago literally uh, we had no research uh, around brain chemistry and understanding of of different types of addiction and process addictions and behavioral addictions and we had no idea how it could impact individuals with regard to uh, its connection to uh, trafficking and other uh, sorts of societal ills and, and we had very little on how it was impacting relationships and how it impacted what we love how we think about those we love and how we express love uh, so so very little research was done on the topic now science is caught up with that truth and society is kind of grappling with how to understand that uh, the internet came around 20 years ago we're, yeah. we're literally uh, the, the guinea pig generation with regard to that that explosion of access and it changed the the landscape uh, you know, no generation is dealing with this topic to to this intensity and scale so so in answer to your question i don't i don't i don't that wasn't not like this conscious thing is like hey yeah. let's use controversy mm -hmm. to to pro pro propel our message it was more like let's let's package uh, let, let's let's look at the reality let's look at the truth let's 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 message things uh, let's take the research and take the science and, and personal accounts and let's package it in a way that's going to connect with people. And we know that's going to cause controversy. We know that people are going to fight it from, from different angles because of kind of that's the natural process. Um, but we, uh, um, uh, it, it was more like a, uh, just something that we knew would, would be there. Yeah. It wasn't something that we were totally. like looking to harness. 
Yeah. So uh, controversial marketing is, is I, I think I mentioned this before. It's kind of a subcategory of marketing. Like people use it before the show. Brandon was, was sharing examples of marketing campaigns that use controversy to spread their message. What, what were some of those examples that you, that I you, mean, a notable one, I, I, I'm sure like you had the Nike and Colin Kaepernick, right? Like I think Nike went into that campaign knowing that this is going to be controversial, whether they believe it or not. Um, or, or believe in Colin Kaepernick type thing you have. I mean, the, just Gillette, yeah. the Super Bowl commercial type thing. Like there's, there's, or there's organizations where I think the marketing department knows this is a hot button topic. Let's comment on it, whether that, you know, to increase sales or whatnot. Yeah. So I think it, they, they kind of dip into that knowing it's going to be totally. So I don't, I, th I think in your case, you kind of jumped into it. Well, this is my cause. And then it happens to be. Oh, yeah, I, I think there's a difference between a for-profit mentality to, to, yeah. to marketing, like selling a product versus for like sure. a, a cause-oriented focus to say, like, you know, we're going to fight for what's right regardless of what, what arrows come our way. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and we know that we're on the right side of this. Yeah, okay. so what I don't want to communicate is that controversial marketing is a bad thing, right? Correct. So uh, w when I'm asking you, like, is that a tactic? And you're like, well, no, I I I'm not. I mean, that's fine. But my next question would be, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you take advantage and try to leverage the controversy to, to spread your message? Let me, let me spin it a different way. So I, I, would, I, I, I recognize kind of what you're saying, but uh, the way we look at it isn't so much like let's leverage controversy as much as like, look, uh, I always say this, we didn't start a movement. The movement existed. The, 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 well, the movement, like there was already an electricity for understanding and awareness on this topic and it was already there. There was a lot of passion yeah. that pre-existed our organization um, around kind of the, um, uh, around the harm this was causing individuals, which kind of led them to want to, you know, you know, raise their voice to, to, to help individuals around this. What we did is we kind of organized in some way behind a brand and said, okay, Let's 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 create something that can kind of give something some give individuals something to hold on to, and to kind of rally behind. And that, uh, and, and so we look at it less around like uh, harnessing controversy yeah, as totally. much as like harnessing the passion of of one of the strongest generations that has ever lived, the millennial generation, to kind of like you know it's 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 shown that millennials are more motivated by social change and social social justice than they are money and that's a really powerful characteristic of a generation to say like if they can get behind a cause or a movement they get behind it yeah. and there's almost nothing more powerful uh than than that you know there's nothing there's the quote nothing's more powerful than uh, than an, uh the human soul on fire you know uh that that is that is kind of what we were tapping into um, intentionally or not, that that's kind of what emerged of it. And we kind of recognize that very early on to say like, look, well, how we're going to position ourselves is we're going to be kind of the, the, the mechanism to kind of create and, 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 uh, develop content and material to then hand off to this passionate army of fighters. We call them fighters yeah. to, to then raise awareness. Uh, and, and so we look at ourselves as kind of the, the distribution warehouse to kind of provide material for the passion and creativity of all of individuals that that are, are on board with this mission to really be the drivers and the owners of the movement yeah no that that totally makes sense so i i think i i think i see where you're coming from where in some ways you are kind of harnessing the controversy but that's yeah. not how you're skinning it Correct. like that and that's yeah. not that's not even like when you're in your board meetings or your marketing meetings you're not like how can we leverage this controversy that's going on 
Totally. Because because uh, at the same time, even your message, right? There's everything on your shirts, which is like porn kills love. That's a controversial statement, right? Yeah. And in, in a way that could be categorized as controversial marketing where you're spread, yeah. you're, you're giving out these shirts and this message and you're trying to, and you're trying to get it out. So, um, I, I, if, if I were to put like a face on your brand, it would be those shirts. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it, it sounds no, like I you're ne- not thrilled about that. Well, is no, I, I, you know, it, that was never the intent. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah like yeah. we, we, we have a lot of shirts. We have like a ton of shirts you can buy. And, and we, we created a shirt that, that, you know, we, we were looking deep into the research and we were looking at the literature and we were also looking, okay, what messages will connect and resonate with the younger generation? We can talk to them about, you know, research and this article said this and like, it's kind of like, you know, their eyes glaze over and it goes over their head and they're just thinking, they're going, what does it matter to me? But, but as we started to kind of talk to them about connection, uh, human connection and yeah. love, uh, that started to really resonate with them. And we, as we looked at the literature and started to see that, that studies are showing that individuals that view pornography on a regular basis actually saw a decrease in their satisfaction with their, their loved ones and, and, and an increase in their appetite for more, more novel content would, uh, and more pornography yeah. and, and how it related to how they view others and the objectification and how it impacted their ability to express love. All these things, we started looking at that and we could say, okay, we could come at them with article after article and kind of like, you know, address this from a kind of clinical perspective or an academic perspective, or what's a message that kind of like cuts to the core and says, you know, what is pornography doing? Like, how is it impacting the very thing that like, that, that you care a lot about and, uh, and that something that, that drives a lot of happiness for a lot of people. And that is yeah. love and connection. So totally. said like, well, porn kind of, I mean, the, the studies are showing that it's like actually impacting uh, your ability to connect and love in a very profound way. So Porn kills love. And we just said, let's do that. It's, you know, no one's going to wear that. That's pretty bold. <laughs> but let's put it on a t-shirt just to kind of start a conversation. Because one of our primary um, uh, focuses at Fighting the Drug is, you know, our mission is to change the conversation from do check this out. Like, hey, how cool is this to do that's messed up and here's why. Kind of like, here's the evidence to, to show that, you know, this is something that's harmful. Um, so, so we thought, okay, a lot of what we do is conversation starters. If we can get a dialogue going in our culture, no matter how controversial it is, it's going to like bring us to, to address a topic that is not being addressed. It's going to like bring it to the forefront to say, all right, we need to open our eyes to how this is impacting adolescents, how this is impacting adults, how this is impacting relationships, all of the above, how this is c- contributing to social challenges that we face. And mm-hmm. like, so, so let's start a conversation. That is obviously a conversation starter, probably more than any of our other shirts. And it's one that kind of took off, right? And, and people say it's controversial and, and these things. It's like, okay, interesting. Um, you know, we, we, we created it to, to kind of quickly illustrate uh, one, of the, uh, one of the areas that uh, it's been shown to impact. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and I think that once we came out with that shirt and it kind of ballooned out and, you know, people started really uh, le- uh, gravitating to it and, and using it as a, as a billboard on their chest, um, that was, uh, uh, from a marketing standpoint, it was, mm-hmm. it was, uh, something that definitely put us on the map. So, uh, so, uh if, if I were to attach those shirts and that message to a specific principle within controversial marketing, it would be, uh, eliciting an emotional response, right? Yeah. So are there other things that you guys intentionally do or try to do to try and uh, get that emotional response out of people that that I think is one of the main drivers of of those fighters, right? The, the, your followers. Uh, what other things are you doing um, 
to try to elicit that emotional response. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we which to be honest, th this is something that all brands try to do. They try to attach people's emotions to their specific brand to get that following, right? So, so I mean, this isn't, this isn't unique to fight the new drug, but you guys, I think, are doing it pretty well. And you're, you're having people, and you're talking about people wearing these billboards on their chests. That's because they have that emotional connection to the brand. Yeah. I, I guess the question is, what are you guys doing beyond handing shirts out, which, which you said was not the intention, uh, to, 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 to get that, that emotional attachment to your brand. And I shouldn't say it wasn't the intention. Uh, of course, getting an emotional attachment to the brand, it was the intention. Right. The and it's always the intention. It's always the intention. Yes. And, and we get that emotional response. We'll, we'll be, I'll be like at an airport in some city or I'll be like, uh, at, you know, at some event with my family and I'll have people come up to me, um, you know, uh, in, in tears, thankful, uh, uh, for the, for the message and, and the, 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 uh, campaign and the, the movement. And I'll have another guy, I'll be at like a concert and some guy will come up to me and says like, and, uh, uh, you know, either knowing that I'm a part of the organization or, or seeing that I'm wearing a shirt or something like that. And, and, you know, come up to me and say like, I love porn and like, kind of like rip <laughs> on me or something. It's like, okay. So definitely emotion, right? People like immediately they see it and they're yeah, like for it haters. or against it yeah. or, or, you know, it, it drives an energy and, and that's any brand that, that, that puts you into a, uh, a realm where like, you're not irrelevant. You're not you know, uh, forgettable. You're not kind of dismissible. You, you, you want to be something that people love and in, in, in the context of controversial marketing and or hate, right? Because it puts you into a relevant conversation. That's right. And so the emotional response isn't always positive. It's not, but it's always elicited. Yeah. And, and, and our intentions are always to evoke a positive. That's right. I imagine it is. Yeah. We're not trying to evoke the negative, but we're, uh, but it does. And we, we know that we're not, we're not uh, naive to that. Um, but we'll have a t-shirt that says like, you know, uh, love takes two or, uh, fight for love. And, and those t-shirts, uh, they could be beautifully designed and they just don't get the attention. That they're not as these, specific. They're not as kind of like punch in the face. That's right. And, and mm -hmm. it, again, that's, the intent we 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 try to diversify a lot of different kind of t-shirts with a lot of different messages because some people uh, really don't feel comfortable wearing a t-shirt like that's that right. uh, and, and that's fine we're saying here's a lot but um but sales are the thing that that tell us what's popular and uh, the the number one shirt is that shirt but as far as the other things that we're doing to elicit that emotional reaction response like we tell stories like one of the things before fight the new drug and i don't want to say that this is like because of us or anything of that nature. Yeah. But before us, when you looked at, a vi when you saw a video of somebody talking about their pornography struggle, um, it was always blurred out face, dark face, changed voice, talking about like, this is what I went through. Yeah. I came onto the scene. When we started this, I said, I'm done with those. I want to like bring life to, to individuals telling their story. And we want to tell hopeful stories. Yeah, we want to tell about like the realities of what this can lead to, but we want to talk about how this kind of like, how they, how they came out on the other side and how they're like living, f you know, very, you know, positive and fruitful lives. Um, and, and, and how, you know, real connection, you know, is, is, is more gratifying than, than what they can get elsewhere. So um, we started to tell stories about individuals and filming them and, and recording them and, and posting them about real people with real struggles, uh, telling their story in a real way. And it wasn't shaming them. It was actually like kind of like uh, uh, presenting them in a way that like drove a lot of empathy and like understanding and, and love and encouragement and support. And, and, and by doing that, it, uh, more and more people started to say, well, okay, 
I'll tell my story. Or yeah. I'll tell my story. And all of a sudden we started getting not hundreds, but thousands, not even thousands, but tens of thousands of stories coming in from all over the world of people telling their story uh, in a way that they're saying, I'm willing to go public. I'm, I'm willing to share my face even. Um, and, uh, and, and so we kind of started to create this community of individuals. Again, coming back to that emotional response, a community of individuals are saying, um, I don't feel alone anymore. I don't feel isolated. I don't feel like I'm, uh, uh, like, I don't feel like a bad person yeah. anymore. I don't feel like I'm the only female that struggles with this anymore. Um, like we started to kind of break open that and say, look, we can talk about this openly and, 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 and have a healthy and safe dialogue. Yeah. So, so you mentioned a little bit about the haters who have maybe the negative emotional, uh, response. Um, be, and, 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 and also talking about the shirt, the, the porn kills love, th there have been parodies that have come up, yeah. right? Because some people claim that that message is actually shaming, right? Uh -huh. where, where, where now there are shirts that say shame kills love. Uh -huh. How, how fr from, uh, and maybe this is more of a reputation management standpoint, but how do you combat against the, the people who are almost actively fighting against your message? Well, so the, uh, the individuals that created the Shame Kills Love, like uh, I, I know them and we, we've spoken and, and I'm sure there's others as well, but yeah. uh, s at least some of the individuals, and, and I don't disagree with that message. I actually like, like thumbs up yeah, to the message. Totally, right? so, like, yeah. Shame does kill love. I, I, you know, that's a, yet another killer of love. And we don't equate uh, our message to, to be feeding into that. Now, um, you never know how people are going to react and respond to that, particularly such a charged topic. People can kind of like, kind of run with something in a, in, a, in, in a way that was never intended or whatnot. And, and of course, our intention with the Born Kills Love t-shirt was never to evoke shame. And people right. kind of take the, took that uh, shirt and said, <clears throat> you're telling me that because I watch porn or like porn or whatnot, that I... That I mean, I'm killing love. And I'm killing love or yeah. that I'm incapable of. And it's like, well, where are you getting that? It's, that's, not, that's not the intention. That's not even close to the intention. We're simply saying that research is showing that this can impact your relationships. And we package it in a way that's a little more heavy hitting. That's right. But, but impact relationships. Now, you uh, as an individual consumer, whether you say, hey, I hear your message and I still like it. Or, you know, I, I know I should quit, but I, whatever. Regardless of where you're on the spectrum, like, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. We, we can constantly are telling people, uh, either in presentations or on our, on our website, like if you, uh, so we're constantly kind of like trying to mitigate that by like releasing content, releasing messages, releasing um, even official statements, uh, but, you know, suggesting the fact that like, look, you're not a bad person for viewing pornography. You're not a bad person for even wanting to view pornography or continuing to view pornography. Like you're yeah. not a bad person. That doesn't make you a bad person. Right. We're simply kind of showing you just like, as, as if like you're a smoker. We can say like uh, cigarettes kill lives or whatever, That's like right. you know, yeah, people yeah. Like, or, or like you cause lung cancer. Like it's kind of like more like a fact. It's a, it's a fact. Now you can still smoke and, and that's your prerogative and that's that doesn't right. make you a bad person at all. But we're just kind of, it's like a more of a warning sign. It's like a label saying like, just, just FYI, this, this ha there are risks. Yeah. And, 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 and there are enough, there are enough studies now and it's so well known about the smoking thing that people smoke, even the smokers know that they're, oh, yeah. they're at higher risk. Right. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is that the pornography message, we're still in our, in, in the infancy, infancy of studies and acceptance to where at some point it's going to get to the point where people are like, 
yeah, I'm looking at porn and I know it's messing with my brain and, and stuff like that, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And that's, and, that, and we have no problem with that. Like our mission at our organization has never been to limit the supply of pornography to individuals yeah. or to re, like, uh, you know, take that away from the, their first amendment right to view that. It's like, Hey, we're literally just kind of saying like, this is a topic that, that requires more awareness because most people that, that uh, end up kind of like experiencing those negative effects, they say, I wish I would have known. I wish somebody would tell, I wish that would have been more common knowledge. Like, uh, you know, just like now, you know, less people uh, start smoking today based on some of that knowledge and information around that, how yeah. that can harm uh, their lungs, you know, smoking tobacco. So uh, that is exactly kind of the framework that we use. And, but it is true that like, that is something that we spend a lot of time at our organization. Like when we talk about marketing, like spend a lot of time, like how can we help people understand that, uh, that, that shame is toxic, that shame is harmful, and that, that, uh, that, that our message is, is, that's not the intent and we, yeah. we, we need to raise awareness in a way that, that does not drive shame. In fact, it does the opposite, alleviates it. Yeah. So I, I, you got something? I was just gonna ask, how do you, you mentioned like marketing meetings and stuff like that. How do you guys measure success in marketing? What does that look like? I mean, cause you're, it's not, you're not selling a product or a service where you can look at revenue and say, oh yeah, you know, we're getting leads and we're getting sales. You're, it's, it's more of like, as it's an awareness. How do you measure that at the end of the year saying this was a successful year for our organization? Yeah, it's a great question. Measurement is, is key. In fact, when I started the nonprofit, not knowing anything about nonprofits, uh, a mentor of mine said, uh, if you can't measure it, it's not worth doing in the nonprofit space because your, your, your measurements literally become your uh, kind of your uh, currency mm -hmm. to uh, potential in, in donors to say like, this is how we're measuring impact. And this uh -huh. is, this is the, how we move the needle from one end to another. Like, mm -hmm. um, and it's not just kind of like, uh, you know, hearsay uh, anecdotal, like, you know, little Billy's doing better now and, and we should mm -hmm. all feel good that we spent that much money. You know, yeah, it, yeah I have measurement. But, but I would say that the, uh, maybe a misperception or at least how we function as a nonprofit, it's not all that different from a for-profit. You know, people like, you know, maybe think they're very foreign experiences, but, but we, um, even though our focal point is awareness and we don't, we, we, we um, you know, don't post currently, quarterly or earnings to shareholders and whatnot, mm -hmm. We still do, um, we do uh, sell merchandise mm -hmm. and that is, uh, we call it an indicator of success, meaning like by selling merchandise, it shows that the message is getting out there and whatnot. So it's an indicator of success. We do, uh, you know, do assemblies and, 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 and measure, but the, the measurements that we care most about, um, and, and so all the measurements that apply to a for-profit, we probably measure similar things, you know, engagement on, on social media. We, That's right. we measure all the same things. Mm -hmm. But the, the measurements that we care most about internally are the, uh, are the metrics around attitudes and perceptions shifting. And so before an, each assembly, assembly that we do in a school or, or uh, when we go present, we do a pre-survey um, uh, asking questions around attitudes and perceptions, and we do a post-survey uh, about th uh, a month later. And we kind of measure kind of the impact that that message had. We've also been able to continue to do that through people that engage in our site. We have, you know, roughly 12 million people hit our site every year. And, uh, and those, uh, those individuals that come to our site, uh, we're, uh, we have a number of surveys that kind of hit to kind of understand like what, what did you know prior to us and what do you now know? So we can measure knowledge and we can mm -hmm. measure perception and understanding. That's interesting. I like that. And that is what we then take to to donors and, and, and we actually post a, a yearly report every year 
we post a yearly report that then display the, these these findings and understandings of like uh, how we're moving the needle and that that's that's mm -hmm. what's allowed us uh, back to your point of 10 years like that I think that's what's allowed us to survive this long yeah is that we're actually having an impact and I, and I imagine that uh, uh, there's a lot of passion around the the topic of porn uh, because there are so many people I think who are affected by it whether it's them or or someone that they know uh, so I, I, I do want to, uh, I feel like this has been a, a huge, awesome foundational conversation we've had. I kind of want to shift a little bit more to more, uh, I don't want to get into the weeds with like the, the digital like landscape, but there are certain things that I found that I kind of want to go through. A couple of them are like competitors, right? So, so in, in our space, there are two types of competitors. There's a business competitors and those are the ones that, that are competing for your donors, right? And, yep. and, and to mine, I, I don't know the space. And, and, and the other one is search competitors, meaning there are specific search terms that people are typing in. How do I quit looking at porn, right? Yeah. Where you want to be, you want to be at the top. And then anyone else who's ranking for that, those are search competitors. And, and, and in some cases, I think there are, not just think, as I'm looking through this, I have found, and I want to get it, I'll start here just because I'm about to go here. <laughs> so I ran a report that shows how many and what keywords your website ranks for. And in some cases, uh, I, I, I was, I think I was surprised, but the more I thought about it, I was, I was less surprised. And that is, uh, there's always intent, right? Search intent around what people are searching. I'm going to pull this up real quick. Cause there are some keywords in here where people are typing these in and, uh, and the keyword intent is for someone who's really looking to look at porn. Right. Yeah. So, but then fight the new drug pops up. Um, let me, let me pull this up real quick. So, uh, some of the keywords that, ha that came up, you're, the number one, which, which this is a, this is a software called SpyFu. It's an SEO and PPC, um, kind of analytics or, um, data pulling tool. Uh, according to SpyFu, the most valuable and value is, is based on search volume and difficulty and how easy or, or difficult or whatever, or how well you rank for it, uh, is cam girl. So cam girl came up and I imagine if someone's typing in cam girl, they're probably looking, uh, for porn and your site ranks on the first page, which th there was some blog article about some for former webcam girl, uh, who shared her story. Uh, but then as I go down, there are other keywords. Most of them are like, uh, is porn bad, right? Uh, how do I stop watching porn? Yeah. And there are, there are blog articles, articles, articles that come up that, that help people kind of recognize that the question that came up in my mind as I'm looking through this is, is there some in intentional, uh, strategies that you guys employ to try to rank for, uh, the keywords people are using to find porn. <laughs> and then you're trying to kind of give this, the, the counter message or kind of pull them out. Yeah. Uh, um, great question. Uh, we have deployed strategies of that nature at different times of our organization. Yeah. And, and we, you know, at some point it's been like, a, a, you know, at first it came up and we're like, you know, how brilliant, you know, like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, someone's because, so. No, it is. It is. You know, it is. I agree. It is. It's a brilliant idea. And I'm glad that you said that you guys are, have thought about it and done it because otherwise it's like lost opportunity. Missed opportunity. Like, and, and, but it's, it's, it's also a little dicey, right? It's a little uh, risky is what it I should is. say. It like, is. By doing that, because you're also kind of like sticking a, a stick into the beehive a little bit to kind of say like. Uh, and, and that's happened, right? So let me tell you a couple okay. of stories. Yeah, tell me. Um, uh, 
and then and then a positive one at the end. Don't let me forget the positive one. Uh, I'll, I'll try my best this. to but, remember. But you know, because we deployed those types of strategies, it really kind of started to awake the sleeping giant, uh, which was uh, the in, uh, the industry and also individuals that are very 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 in favor of said industry. Uh, so you know, we started to get uh, in death threats. Uh, we started to get. That's when you uh, know you're doing something right. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I, uh, tell that to my wife. <laughs> no, I, no, we started to get like real, like the AVN, uh, the adult video network, uh, which is like the largest like news network for the porn industry. Yeah. Started to just like, uh, you know, rip into us and publish very falsified things. In fact, uh, case in point, uh, we had done an interview with a former porn star. His name was Greg. And we did an interview with him, video interview. And he was talking about all about his career. And he was the one, one of the most popular and successful porn stars of all time, male porn stars of all so, time. So during, at the time of the interview, had he quit? Like, was this? He had quit. Oh, he, he had, okay. He totally quit. And he had like literally said, porn ruined my life. And he was coming out and saying, porn destroyed my life. Okay, so that happened. Mm -hmm. AVN released an article shortly thereafter with an interview with Greg saying, I never said any of that. Those guys are lying. They totally you know, misrepresented my thing. Like fight the drug. I might have to sue them. All these things. I'm going, what the heck? Greg, Greg. He got paid off, man. What, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> are you playing both sides of the fence? What, what, what's happening? Yeah. I reached out to Greg. I said, Greg, why, why would you say all that? Why, why would you completely go and like throw us under the bus saying that we doctored the interview to say certain things that you didn't actually say? And he goes, what are you talking about? I go, why did you say these things in this, in this article? What article? I showed him the article and he said, I never, I never did an interview. Oh, it wasn't a video. It was a, it was, it was a, it was an article, article oh, okay. on this and, and he said, I never did an interview. They literally fabricated and like doctored a, a, an article with, with quoting him saying all these things uh, that he didn't say, like totally dis dismantling his, his thing. My yeah. point is that like, is by, by, by doing That's this, it so really crazy. started to drive, uh, uh, we, I got reported by a report, uh, by uh, an individual, uh, to the DCFS for child sex abuse, like me, uh, it was reported to the DCFS for, for being a child molester, knowing that there was no truth to it, but if they could get somebody to write an article or like alleged, you know, allegations to the founder of Fighting Drug, they, they were just trying to it would destroy your reputation. our organization from, from, the, the, from the roots, trying to just completely, uh, you know, destroy us. Uh, and, and we were just like, holy cow, the, the, the wave of attacks from that side of the fence um, were, were real and, and serious. How long ago did that happen? Uh, at different times. I mean, like, uh, like, is it still going on or oh, is it kind of oh, yeah. fizzled no, out a little still, bit? Uh, I mean, we haven't had a death threat in a while and, and, <laughs> and I haven't been reported for child sex abuse, but, um, uh, in a, in a while, but like this kind of stuff is, is constant. And, and, and the thing is, is that I can get into that. That's a whole different topic and, and yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe for another podcast, but okay. point is that there is a serious opposition and the opposition doesn't play by the rules. They're, it's more mafia-esque in, oh, yeah. in the way that they kind of like will bully and, 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 and kind of try to dismantle. They're not, they're not kind of like having a, a civil and honest debate. Um, so, so it's a little risky by going really after kind of like that. However, here's a positive story. Let me, let me go, go there for a second. Um, we had, and this is not a, a one story. We've had many stories like this. Uh, a kid woke up. Um, uh, he was, uh, you know, woke up in the morning grabbed his computer with the intent to, to view pornography. He's like, this is what I'm going to do. He, he does a search for porn, uh, similar to what you just showed us, and an article 
of ours came up talking about is porn harmful or like how porn infects the brain or something like that. He got curious about it, clicked on it, read the entire article. And at the end of the article, it showed him like where resources could be to kind of get help. He, uh, and one of them was uh, uh, an app called Join Fortify, joinfortify.com. Yeah. Uh, so he, he clicks on that. Within 10 minutes of him waking up with the intent of viewing pornography, he was enrolled in Fortify and getting the help he needs and joining a, an, an army of others you know, seeking to kind of overcome this. And, he, and, and that was kind of the, the power of, of kind of that style of marketing. He wouldn't have found us otherwise. Uh, it was also kind of the, the, the power of, of the Internet to, to be able to um, provide uh, information and a resource in tandem together right away for people in need. Um, and, and, you know, and he wrote us, uh, you know, talking about how uh, just how impactful that was and how it's changed his life. And, and those, those types of things, you know, make it worth it. And kind yeah. of saying like, hey, we're, we're, we're helping these individuals. But along with it, you can't decide who sees it and who doesn't. Along with it, you're going to get some fire. Yeah. On the other side. No, that makes sense. I uh, love the story. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, at the very beginning, you said that you kind of have dabbled. I, I, I don't know if that was the word or not. Is, is, this, is this not an active thing that you're constantly doing? Uh, like you don't want to keep poking the bear or is it kind of a continual effort? No, no, we're, we're doing it. Not, not like, it's not like a super aggressive, like that is our focal point. That's where we're, but we have certain keywords that we target and certain things that we, and, and, you know, we have over a thousand articles on our blog and a lot of it is optimized for different uh, keywords and uh, different searches. And so uh, there a lot of more coming up organically. And, uh, and so that's, uh, it it is a tactic. We're trying to get people uh, to just be aware uh, and, and just to, to, and if they decide like, it's kind of like that warning label. If they decide like, okay, thanks, I'm good. I'm going to keep going. All right. Power to you. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, there, there, there are quite a few that fall under that. So I, I, I'm glad that there's, there's some work going towards that. So shifting, shifting now to competitors, right? So yeah. this, this is, this is interesting to me because, uh, especially in the nonprofit space, you have people who typically just want to make the world better, yeah. right? They're like, I mean, I mean, they're called a nonprofit, not because of how much money comes in, but where the money goes after. So everyone's kind yeah. of trying to get the funds to grow their, their nonprofit, but in this space, and, and a lot of nonprofits, you have competitors, which it's even weird to say competitors because in a way your 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 aim is the same, yeah, right? To 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 try and educate people on on uh, on the effects of pornography. So in, in your mind, who who are the other nonprofits in your space that are competing for the same donor money? Yeah. So uh, right out of the gate, I would say that that we very much do not look at. Uh, individuals in our space as competitors. Um, if, if, if we were to qualify anybody as a competitor, it'd be the, the opposition. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what we're really competing against. So I, what do you, what do you, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm fine changing my nomenclature no, 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 no. for this episode. What would you call them? Uh, allies. Okay. So your allies, the other people in the space, I mean, you're still competing for, sure. for money and sure. for donors and, and even for rankings on, on, on search engines. Sure. Uh, but yeah, let, let's call, I'm, I'm totally cool calling him allies. Let's, let's rebrand these guys, uh, real quick. As, as I look at this, you guys are dominating as far as the amount of traffic that you're getting, the amount of keywords that you're, that you're ranking for, uh, in some cases it's not even close. So really in this segment here, what I want to get to is what are you doing differently than your allies that allow you to get so much more, uh, success from a traffic awareness standpoint um well okay so 
uh, yeah, I, I, I recognize that we're all fighting for the same dollars in, in many cases. And not just, not, not just other people in the space of, of, uh, of raising awareness on the harmful effects of pornography or other forms of sexual exploitation. It's also like nonprofits are competing for dollars. You know, we're competing for dollars, uh, you know, of, of individuals that are raising money for homelessness and yeah. whatever, because there is a finite uh, amount of that dollars going into a nonprofit or, or in, in, in philanthropy. Yeah, totally. And, and so whether you are, you know, there are so many good causes out there and doing wonderful things and saving lives and helping people and feeding children and, and clothing, you know, all these things. And we're one of, right. And, uh, and so when we, when we think about the landscape of competitors for donor dollars, it goes way beyond our allies. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and so we just kind of say we don't focus on all that. We focus on the fact that like we need to do, stay in our lane and do what we do better than anybody else out there. And uh, and by doing so, if people are serious and passionate about this problem and addressing youth uh, in in this demographic and kind of our lane, we're the number one option out there. Yeah. So when it comes to competitors. Uh, people, we would have to find another competitor that's uh, addressing our same demographic in the same kind of way we're doing it. And then we'd call that a competitor. And there isn't one that I'm aware of okay. that, that's doing that. Our allies are, are, are people that are in the same fight. We're all moving in the same direction. And, and you know what? If a donor says, I really want to get behind legislation on this, I would say, you know what? You know who you should fund is NICOSI, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation in D.C. They, that's their focal point, and they do wonderful. I really want to help, like, uh, you know, little kids in, in, in elementary school. You know who you should fund? You should fund those guys over here. Like, and there's plenty that I could reference there. Totally, yeah. So, so we're all kind of like uh, different pieces of the puzzle to kind of move forward, and we all support one another to varying degrees of course yes uh but uh you know so i don't i don't look at them as competitors i, I look at them as as uh you know we're, we're we're allies but as far as differentiating ourselves and making ourselves kind of like go to the go to the top of the food chain a little bit uh, uh um you know when we started um i kind of uh, had the mantra i said look guys uh in the nonprofit sector at large and i'm, I'm making a, a wide generalization here um, they're pretty terrible at marketing. Hmm. Um, the, 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 the nonprofit sector is pretty terrible at branding and design. And uh, uh, they are really good at being passionate about their causes. Uh, uh, but when it comes to like uh, productizing their solutions, when it comes to messaging their, 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 uh, their organization, very, very few nonprofits kind of rise to the surface of like, okay, they get it yeah and those that do and i, I don't give names because there's plenty but those that do often have more of of uh, of a comprehension of how to run uh, any organization again like a lot of the people that are, that are really successful in the nonprofit space uh ha were could be or were at one point successful in the for-profit space it's like you know, we, we like to kind of put them in, in two different buckets and like the for-profit are kind of what drives, you know, major sales and like, and then they throw bones to the nonprofit sector and they're, they're just kind of these, you know, these, these birds chirping for like whatever, you know, yeah. leftovers you can find. Mm -hmm. like that, that's, 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 a, that's kind of the, the reality of so many nonprofits. Uh, uh, but 
but we wanted to hit home runs. I said, guys, we're not hitting base hits here. Like there's a lot of base hits out there on this topic. There's a lot of people that have come and gone in this space. We want to go after the home runs. We want to actually package this in a way that goes outside of a particular um, belief system, a particular culture, a particular area. Like we want to kind of make this a global dialogue and, and that, that, uh, that, that, that supersedes a lot of those uh, barriers, which means that we've got to uh, remove ourselves from the, uh, uh, strategically remove ourselves from uh, any sort of moralistic kind of framework and kind of religious framework and um, remove ourselves from a legislative focus to kind of change laws and, and focus on science, facts, and personal accounts and, uh, and awareness. So, yeah. so by doing that, that really kind of set us apart out of the gate because most of, uh, particularly 10 years ago, most of those that were kind of hitting this were doing it um, very much uh, from a moral standpoint, from a moral standpoint, yeah. uh, and it was it was also and not nothing's wrong with that. Sure, I, I, sure. I want to make that message. No, I appreciate that you're uh, being political here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it, there's nothing wrong with that. But we kind of saw an opportunity to kind of say we could take this bigger, and, and so we 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 wanted to kind of position it differently. And by doing that, it kind of set us apart. Obviously, and, and my background being in, in marketing and and and, and film as as something that I uh, spent a lot of time in, I wanted to come out and say, like, let's make this cool. We have a mantra in our organization that's make it cool first and informative second. And if you reverse those two, you've lost them. And so we wanted to really uh, put an emphasis on design, on packaging, on, on story, so that we could kind of really rise to the top of, of people's awareness. So it wasn't just kind of spouting out stats. And when I, it was like something was like something that was a narrative to, to, to lean on. And, uh, and then we wanted to provide ownership to them. We wanted to kind of let them lead versus kind of just us driving it. So the combination of all that like allowed us to really differentiate ourselves in the, in the marketplace. And that it not only drove interest and awareness, but it also drove dollars because they saw, well, this is a, a you know, this is a moving train. This is a moving freight train that we yeah. want to get behind. And it kind of perpetuated and, and we, you know, our, our, our staff, our team, is very diverse um, belief system wise, religiously, very diverse uh, um, when it comes to skill. I, we have like, you know, storytellers and designers and filmmakers and, and, and writers and, and, and the combination of that creativity kind of can create something that's uh, 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 really attractive to, to and, and really digestible and, and, uh, and approachable. So I, I think that yeah, we focused on, on things that previously were not focused on. Um, and just real quick, a, a story about this. We were contacted by The Daily Show. You, you ever watched The Daily Show? Back when John Stewart, John Stewart was, mm -hmm. yeah. was doing The Daily Show. We were contacted by The Daily Show and asked him, and they asked us to, to, to go on one of their shows. And I knew right. I'm a, I was a huge fan. I I, I loved the Daily Show, and, and you're like, I, I knew I'm exactly. Not going on the I knew exactly what they wanted. I knew that they wanted to kind of like have a kind of like crazy scapegoat on like anti-porn stuff, right? And and I was talking to the producer, and I said, Hey, you know, I'm a big fan. I, I kind of know where you're going with this. Um, you want to kind of have those interviews where you you can kind of like poke it and and kind of make them look a little funny. He's like, no, no, we won't doctor what you're saying. You say what you need. And I say, yeah, I, I totally get that. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. However, you need to know a few things about us because when you think anti-porn, you have a, 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 a narrow idea of what that means. You, you think it means uh, religious, right-wing, crazy, radical. That's what anti-porn has been for so long. And I said, let me explain who we are. And I explained the fact that we kind of don't fit into that, those parameters. 
and that we're, we're diverse. And, and after I kind of got done explaining that we're, we're a non-religious, non-legislative organization, uh, you know, uh, educating with science facts and personal accounts, he, he was like silent on the other end. And he's like, finally, he said, yeah, yeah, I think we're going to find somebody else. And that was like a huge kind of validator to me. It was like, it was like uh, a moment where we realized uh, that, that we were doing it differently than what had come before. And uh, I actually saw the episode that they wanted us on, and they did. They found the kind of crazy right-wing nut that was kind of like portraying anti-porn as kind of a pitchfork approach. And, we, and, 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 and I was grateful that he recognized that that wasn't us. And, and you're probably uh, grateful that you didn't go on the show. Yeah, I'm grateful for that too, <laughs> but uh, still a fan. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Uh, so we're, we, we don't have a ton of time left. Uh, this is around the time that we actually transition to digital marketing roulette. Ah. So at the end of our shows for the last about 10 minutes or so, uh, we pull out our roulette table. Oh yeah. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got a list of random questions that we ask, and these are typically, uh, fun questions. Uh, they could be about marketing. They could be about you. Uh, so he'll roll, he'll roll the ball onto the, the roulette table. It'll land on a ball and uh, it'll land on a ball. It'll land on a number and that number corresponds with a, with a question. Okay. So we'll just do this for a few minutes and then, and then we'll, we'll sign off. Okay. It's a long roll there. Long roll. 27. 27. I feel like it landed on 27 last week. It hits 20. Yeah, it might be a little sticky on 27. All right. Question it's for that. Um, all right, hold on here. Where's my list? Da, 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 da. Okay, here it is. Um, this one's an easy one. What social network do you spend the most time on and why? Uh, okay, it's personally, you're saying? Or, Pers- or organizationally? Yeah, personally, yeah. yeah. Just use a person. Yeah, okay. So funny story about this is that uh, I actually recently, this is going to be a shocker, I got off so most of social media recently um just it was kind of controlling my life and uh, i got off of it to try to see how, how that would impact my relationships and uh i gotta Cause, say because social media kills love too <laughs> well it was it was it was killing something and so i just needed to do make some i just wanted to see what it would be like to kind of detach a little yeah. bit and not kind of feel that that you know ball and chain that i had to like post everything that was going on and and you, did you didn't well want back. to have the same feelings with social media that you do with your wife. Is that what you're saying? I'm sorry. No, no comment on that. But, uh, no, 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 I get what you're saying. So, no, I got off most. So, like, you know, all the big ones, like Facebook, I'm off. Instagram, I'm off. Uh, I, I did like Instagram a lot. I, mm-hmm. I, I got off I was on Snapchat, off. The one I, I, and I don't know if you'd call it a social media. I don't Good really read. consider it. What's that? Goodreads. Goodreads? No. Is that, no. No, is that, is that, is that, is that it's social for, it's media? For, yeah, it's, have you heard of it? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I would consider. Yeah, it's got a feed and it's okay. got everyone. Yeah, totally. Okay. It's my favorite social media. Oh, is platform. it? Yeah. Okay. You were hoping I was going to go. <laughs> I there. was hoping, and then yeah. and then we could just because go into a whole thing about moment, books. I know. I'm sorry, I broke that. Okay. So what is it? <laughs> well, so the one that I utilize the most. No. Uh, All right. I'll stop guessing. Is, and it's more of like a message. Marco Polo. Oh, okay. Like that's yeah, not really so, social media. No, well, there's not like a it's not like a feed. It's more like a messaging app. But yeah, like, yeah. I'll tell you, like, like I communicate with a lot of people through that, uh, and it's like more like people that I actually know and, and ha- want to have a conversation with. Yeah, so I like, like Marco Polo. I, I, I use that probably more than any other. But I don't know if that's gonna like stay. I might get back on at some point. But right now, I'm on. How long have you been off? Probably about. S- uh, six months dude good for you don't come back I, don't come back i i, I, I envy struggling. you I envy. <laughs> I'm, I'm really like 
Instagram is like the only one that I really care about. I'll I'll check in to see how we're doing at organization. Like I'll I'll, I'll look uh, over somebody's shoulder and kind of see how we're doing. But like uh, as far as how person, many followers do you guys have on Instagram? Uh, I'd have to check. It's I actually over, have it. Oh, wait, you're talking about fighting the new drug? Yeah, uh, <laughs> 138,000. Which yeah. this isn't a roulette question, but it was a question you have. Which <laughs> that's really impressive. What's even more impressive is on Facebook you have 3.9 million. Yeah, which. Again, both are you, you thinking it's dis, disproportionate or what? Why? Yeah, why is so disproportionate? Like, is well, there a- well, so in the early days, we really, I mean, f- Facebook. We've been around ten years, so in the beginning, oh, okay. we they we put really a lot of money into purchasing money those in followers. We just put a lot of energy into growing Facebook because Facebook was a lot more powerful back in the day than it is yeah. today. Like the algorithms were different and you could get a lot more reach. My goodness, we were getting like a single post. We were getting an insane amount of engagement and reach and, and adoption. It was converting to our website. There was a glory day uh, for us. But then they, as soon as we crossed that million marker, like literally mm-hmm. everything shifted for us and they treated us differently. And, and it's just been kind of like... Who's tra- they? Facebook. Oh, Facebook did. So we, we, we tried to kind of, you know, we, we've been kind of re re-engaging that but yeah we, we continue to go on facebook and we mm. continue to go on instagram um twitter as well and youtube and but yeah it's that's it's true I, I mean i mean if you if they start on facebook at the beginning they've got years 10 of, years even still though like i know organizations that start around the same time with vc funding and a fraction of that following like, that's it very comes back down to that that emotional, that emotional drive, yeah. right? connection that's right okay next well question done. well done all right here we go let me uh spin the old wheel that was here. a good question Good answer. I, I, I like when people have different answers than just, ah, I spend my time on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> I was wasting a lot of time on Facebook. Yeah, it'll get you. They spent the last 10 years designing it to keep you in. Two. Oh, yeah. We've had a lot of guests, though, that say they're getting off social media. Yeah, I like, like that. Like, I should be, like, following suit. There's, like, a movement of getting off social that's happening. I'm, well, isn't that I'm hard, isn't hard for an that. influencer like you? influencer i'm not an influencer <laughs> it is hard with marketing i feel like the obligation like i got I know. know i got know. know if i didn't have people like running the social media side of things i i, I wouldn't be able to do that but yeah so right. number two what's the question what has been the most unpleasant surprise of being an entrepreneur <laughs> I mean, uh so basically the worst part of being an entrepreneur well the most unpleasant surprise not the worst part like but an element that that you didn't know was going to come it came yeah, and you're, you're like, like oh i wasn't expecting of, that that this sucks. was an unpleasant surprise okay. like, i never thought of this when i was starting something oh that's i feel like i i could give so many answers to that uh, i mean entrepreneurship and that's kind of I, I i don't the last job i had where like i applied and got a job was siegel book like you know 14 years ago like mm-hmm. i haven't or 15 years ago like i haven't worked I, i've only done entrepreneurial things for yeah. a long time and and so there's so many things that I've like kind of learned and whatnot. And yeah. I feel like I could give you a really profound answer, but I, I for some <laughs> reason, my mind is, is coming to, to, um, uh, you know, there in entrepreneurship, there are high highs and low lows. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, there's, there's this expectation that like, if you own your own company or if you kind of run your own thing that like you are, uh, you, you made it or mm-hmm. you're doing well or, or not. I remember when I first started my first company, um, you know, I went out to, to dinner with friends and they were just like, uh, oh, Clay owns his own company. Like Clay will, Clay will buy. Little do they know, like <laughs> I didn't have enough to pay for my own meal, let alone them. Like I, I, I had a budget of a dollar per day for lunch. 
Like, I mean, it was just kind of like this scrappy, like I would go to the Smith's near my, in my office and I'd buy like a, a, a wrapped burrito, which was 99 cents. And then I'd get some like saltines for free out of the, like the, the soup the area. Salad bar. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd like, and that was my lunch every day for while I was running my company. I was paying my employees higher than I was. So, um, there's there is kind of this tenacity that, that is required for entrepreneurship and like the the you say uh, un, uh most unwelcome surprise or what was i don't know how you phrase unpleasant. that unpleasant un unpleasant surprise. just just the in instability of entrepreneurship in the beginning mm -hmm. but i'd say that the the highs uh, for me at least far outweigh the 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 challenges mm -hmm. and and that uh, i don't know how to function any other way and that uh, i i love it and it provides the most freedom and the most kind of uh you have the most control over where you're going and what you can achieve and so for all those reasons i it i, I go head first but um you, you you have to have the stomach for it yeah yes you will it's funny you say that because to me entrepreneur is synonymous with unemployed in most cases <laughs> uh <That laughs> so i see that on someone's linkedin and i was like okay so you're not making any money right now yeah uh obviously that's uh, well honestly if you put if you put life life tip here if you put entrepreneur as your title currently that literally means you're unemployed because once you actually have a company i mean clay it doesn't say entrepreneur on your linkedin it says co-founder of fight the new drug I, no actually it says what's yeah, the yeah. company it's not fight the new Impact drug collective yeah that's right but, but and fight, there's two different things yeah uh yeah so don't put entrepreneur okay don't Unless do you're that. going on the bachelor or bachelorette. No, no, well, no, entrepreneur. It, it's not entrepreneur. It's a uh, real estate agent. Is, <laughs> is that the new <laughs> the realtor? They're, they're a real. That's true. Yeah. If you're an entrepreneur, you're either a realtor or you're unemployed. All right. Uh, okay. So, so we're out of time. Like Clay, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Super cool to talk about nonprofits, to talk about fight the new drug and how much success you guys have had over the last 10 years. Uh, if you, if you've enjoyed this episode, we invite you to leave a positive review on iTunes or any other podcasting platform that you're listening on. Uh, feel free to reach out. Our email is inbound at belowthefold.io. Uh, you're, you're welcome to submit topic ideas or if you have someone in mind that you want us to bring on and have a chat with, feel free. Last thing, we are recording in the Stone Sheba in downtown Provo. Uh, if you are a creator and looking for a space to create a podcast, feel free to look them up at thestonesheba.com. And that's it. Until next week, we'll catch you below the fold. That's a wrap.